and welcome to YHTV's Trinity of Life. I'm Christina Suzama, your host of this program. And with me here today, well, look where we are at first. <laughs> we are in beautiful Kona on the big island of Hawaii. And uh, with me here today is a very, very, very special individual who is very dear to us and the Yoga Hub team, uh, who we haven't seen for five years. This is a, a very special individual, and I'm not just being biased. I hear that from <laughs> many, many individuals all around. She is a midwife that has supported and helped so many families give birth naturally, which more and more of you are planning to do and more and more of you are curious about. So here we are in Kona to speak to April Bailey and have her give us some insight on natural birthing and empowering women and their families to proceed and move forward with that thought, with that um, imagery, um, with just being whole and really into the holistic part of giving birth and being parents, um, bringing our loved ones into the world. Hi, April. Hi, so big introduction. <laughs> well, it's not big enough. <laughs> it's you. And, you know, it's been just so wonderful to have you on our show and to see you again My after honor. so long. Thank you. Thank you. So, April, there are so many women now, especially on the mainland, who are not familiar with natural childbirth. They're not familiar with... Um, what they would call taking chances or a risk um, in stepping away from a hospital environment. Um, they're seemingly beginning to be okay with doulas, you know, having another woman support them during their, you know, prenatal process. But when it comes to that point of having the baby, you know, and where to do this, there is so much fear still. So... If you can share with us today, well, let's start off with a little bit of your background. Okay. And then if you could share with us and, and help to support those women who are just on that edge or who are on that edge of curiosity, that would be great. Well, my background, I started as a, a young woman interested in, in all things natural in the 60s and 70s and natural childbirth. My mother said when I was 13, I told her I was going to have my children at home and with a midwife, and she didn't even know what a midwife was. Uh, at 13? At 13. So <laughs> um, maybe it was from readings, maybe it was past life experience. Um, I don't know what, what compelled me in that direction. And I found out in my college years, definitely that was my direction, and I left, left uh, university to go apprentice with a very busy midwife. And at that time, there were no midwifery schools, so apprenticeship was the only way to really, really understand what it meant to be a midwife. There was no formal training. And um, so that path led me led me to start doing birth. Have, I was married, had my first children at home. 30 years ago, I had a baby at home. Mm. So to me, when you say women don't know what it means to be natural, um, of course we do. Of course we do. And it, this this has been going on for a long time, longer than than any of us have been here. <laughs> uh, so I think women know know what that means. 
to empower themselves and do what their body was meant to do and claim that. And certainly fear comes into a lot of women today making the decision to go the full Western route and be safe and play the what-if game. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That, that uh, certainly drives a lot of women to make the decisions. But from where I'm sitting, I don't see that because I'm surrounded by women who are constantly seeking out someone to support them in their decision to to give birth naturally, to parent naturally, to breastfeed, um, to do all the things as they were intended to do. So, um, so where did you apprentice? I apprenticed in Southern California, um, out in Riverside County with a very busy midwife at that time. She's Ooh. since passed. She was quite a bit older. Um, she had been an OB nurse and didn't... Um, didn't resonate with what was going on in the hospitals, mm. which was at that time and probably still is today, uh, to, for most part, Medicaid and yes. and um, make it easier on the caregivers in the hospital and, and get the baby out in their minds safely mm -hmm. uh, and quickly mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and efficiently because it makes profit. Yes, <laughs> it does. Like, when you do it more quickly, I, the clock. The clock ticks. Yes, I, I heard there's um I heard uh, by sources that they have at least in Los Angeles they have like a two hour limit. Very often, um, unless you're in a progressive hospital, two hours from the time you're you've opened up and you've dilated, your cervix is dilated, and you're ready to start pushing. Whether that's dictated by your body or by their vaginal exams or uh, mm -hmm. whatever it is they determine the criteria is you have about two hours to push your baby out and and the clock is ticking if you don't then often it's in for a c-section mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. at home it, so many other factors come into play environment laboring down mother's uh, mother's ability to really to really get into pushing or um, you know, there isn't so many vaginal exams, and, and you, that clock is not going. If if mom and baby are doing well and nourished and hydrated, then then it takes as long as it takes mm -hmm. to a certain mm -hmm. extent. So, mm -hmm. well, it's, it's to me, it's that honoring of the body, mm -hmm. and everyone is we're all so individual and we're all so different, and it's <clears throat> honoring that individual body. It's yeah. not. A, it's not on the clock. Everybody's dance is different. <laughs> yeah. So you have to, to dance with somebody and and learn their dance. So. Uh, so from Southern California, you ended up in Costa Rica at some point. I, we time. did. My um, We were in Europe for a few years and in the s southern part of France. My experience there as a midwife wasn't wasn't abundant. The, the French women at that time mm -hmm. were not were not inclined to give birth at home. There was a few Australian women that lived nearby me that they were very, very keen on home births, but it wasn't, it wasn't abundance there. Mm -hmm. And um, after a few years, we had the desire to give our children a third language. They were speaking French and English, and surf was a dictating factor for, for my husband. <laughs> <laughs> it always is. Um, so we decided to go to Costa Rica at that time. We had heard really good things about Central America and Costa Rica and in particular, and we landed down on the Osa Peninsula in rainy season um, with surfboards and two two young girls and a thousand dollars, and we ended up staying there for seven years and making a home. And from the very first week I was there, I was busy as a midwife wow. out in the jungle. There was 
you know, that you do you do things of service and people need your services. So, mm, 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 so yeah. and and in a country like Costa Rica, when you were there, was it a lot of like bartering? Yes, there was no really outward forms of payment. My best best payment for my services was a uh, taxi driver in our town, and I did two births for him. And every time I did a birth for him, I got a year's worth of taxi rides from from town. And taxis come in big. They're big four wheel drive taxis that go through rivers. And taxis mm-hmm. come in very handy in Costa Rica. So well, that was a when great you're one. A yeah. Well, most of the time it was walking or getting in a boat and going somewhere. So, oh, how cool is that? Boat, so. How cool is that? That is very cool. Yeah. I, I know. I know of a woman who actually gave birth uh, during the war on a junk. Oh. In China, because <laughs> it was like, baby's coming. Yeah, baby's coming. <laughs> we lived right on the ocean, and across the Gulf was a little town, and and I served a few women in that town, and several times, somebody would radio on the phone. We didn't have uh, radio on the the uh, marine band radio. We didn't have phones, and um, say so and so's in labor, and they'd send a couple men over in a ponga, a fishing boat, mm-hmm. with kerosene lanterns, and. I'd be waiting on the beach with my skirt rolled up and my stuff and get in the boat and go across the Gulf to, to help oh, a mama. So that was, that was fun. It was, it was always an adventure. It was always an adventure in the jungle. What a great experience. Yeah. What a great, wow. And, and while you were there, um, because, you know, it, there, was, like, there's no, there was no certifications, there's nothing like that, um, were you able to also learn a bit of their plant medicine? Absolutely. These, I think, second or third week I was there, um, a shaman in our area came, just showed up. We had kind of landed and got a job managing a wilderness lodge, and it provided uh, a cabina for us to stay in a little tiny cabina. And um, while the owner went away during rainy season, the gringo owner. And so we got to know the locals really quickly. As a matter of fact, my first mm-hmm. birth was a 17 year old girl who worked at the wilderness lodge in the oh. kitchen. And she had had no prenatal care. Nobody knew she was pregnant, not the boyfriend, not her mother. I didn't even know she was wearing a T-shirt when I first met her. And a week after we were there, there was a very big storm. And storms Mm. there are crazy. They thunder and lightning. The road got washed out. We had heard a couple hours earlier. Um, The... The grass roof of our our cabina was was blowing up. The wind was it was bad. And so three in the morning, we hear this soft knock on the door, and I open the door, and there's this this young girl with her patent leather shoes in one hand and her hairbrush in the other. This is what she walked a quarter mile from her cabina to my cabina in this horrible storm. And this these were her things of value. In, in other words, I'm trying to to show you. I mean, this is what she had. She didn't want to get her shoes dirty. So she was holding her shoes and her hairbrush, and she said, Doña Abril, I'm having pains in Spanish. And I lifted her T-shirt, and then it was then I realized she was pregnant. I had no idea how far along, maybe. I was thinking maybe seven months, you know. Hmm. So she comes in. Labor is going. There's no way out. There's no equipment. I have nothing. There is nothing. My I sent my husband to the kitchen house to get some, some um, refreshments for her. And to also afford her some privacy so we could talk. And she told me her story rather quickly as she's having contractions. And I woke up my daughters and said, you need to find some beach towels, a bottle of rubbing alcohol, some scissors, some dental floss, you know, giving them a list real quickly to gather Mm. because we were going to have a baby. And um, 
holding candles. We didn't even have flashlights. The <laughs> candles kept blowing out. Anyway, my husband came back. I put him behind her for her, to afford her her privacy again and also to support her. And my daughters and I were caught the baby. To, as the head came out, I couldn't hear a thing, trying to put my head to her belly to listen mm. for a fetal heart tone. I couldn't hear a thing. But as when baby's head emerged, I did put my finger in, in the mouth and um, baby sucked on my finger. So I knew we had a live baby at that point. And, um, and it was a little girl. She was small. After the birth, I estimated her fetal age to be about eight months instead mm. of seven months. And we just kangarooed her and, and cut up some t-shirts and made diapers and found a couple you know towels to make some blankets and and she had her baby and went home to her mother's house in the hills a couple days later but um, that that for me was was I need some equipment light bulb moment you know I need something <laughs> and so first aid kit <laughs> I didn't even have that at that moment and and with a premature birth there's a lot of other concerns and of course, one of them is your mother and baby's life. And, and in the jungle, in that kind of situation, the mother's life is more important. And, you know, how am I going to stop bleeding? She can always have more children, but I, I need to, mm. to help her. So uh, about a week after that birth, this um, shaman showed up, uninvited, unannounced, and said, you're going to come for a walk with me. And I brought a pen and pad, and he went through the jungle and showed me trees to stop bleeding, trees to treat. Wow burns weeds to help this weeds for nourishment it was it was an amazing day-long adventure walking through the jungle um learning all these things so yes plants became very important down there. Oh, yeah. and the jungle ate electronics so you learned real quickly your modern dopplers and things like that mm -hmm. just were were of no use most of the time so you had to rely on your hands and your wisdom and your knowledge of the plants and um, basic technology not not anything fancy so well that girl was very lucky to know that you did what you did and uh, your Spanish must have been very good by that point at that point not so good but I was practicing but when when the baby when push comes to when shove. the baby came out the sun had come up and everybody you know was evident everybody was going to be okay um we we all asked her so what are you going to name her and my daughter's both said their name, you know, name her, name her Bryn, name her Marco. And, and, um, she looked at me and she said, no, I'm going to name her Abril, which is oh, my name in Spanish. Beautiful. So that, that was a turning point in, in Costa Rica. So, oh, so that was your Costa Rican affair, so to say, for seven it, years. It blossomed from that point. And yes, we were talking about bartering, um, taxi rides, uh, chickens, uh, pigs, things like that were, were often, um, I was blessed with payment and those, those, um, with those, oh. uh, <laughs> well, yeah, that form of currency was, <laughs> yeah. So well, I always find it's, it's, uh, so interesting. Um, here we are at Yoga Hub, the way we've built it is very village oriented. Like everyone has their talents, everyone has their specialties and it's collaborating and bringing them all together. Good. Right, and and that's how that's you how can grow works, yeah. exactly, and and it is sort of like that barter effect, mm -hmm. and you know the the like we love places like Tahiti and Fiji and the islands because of that village feel. Yeah. You know, it's it's not about what you wear, it's not about what you're doing. It's what is your strength, what is your expertise. Yeah. The shaman has his, and he's going to pass his down to the next generation. You'll pass yours down. Everybody to your has assistance. a value that, 
the carpenter, the gardener, the you know the the farmer. They, we all have the person who tends to the horses. You know, we we all have value and and are necessary in the hubs, and just like the yoga hub, you know, in in the 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 hubs of the wheel of life. We all got to contribute some way. So, so okay, so Costa Rica, mm -hmm. and of course a lot of that plant medicine. Mm -hmm. You couldn't bring here, right? And no, but it, some of it, some of it translates. Of course, different plants, but it all translates. Mm -hmm. Originally, when I was young, I studied a lot of herb medicine, herbology, and um, so that for me is very natural to reach for herbs in in birthing. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm learning about homeopathics. Homeopathics are uh, are they're wonderful. they're wonderful, and and I'm I'm still still learning, mostly centered around family life and. Right. And childbirth, but but I'm learning a lot about homeopathics as I go on because I find them very valuable. That's wonderful. Now, <clears throat> with your forms, mm -hmm. um, you, you for a mother mm -hmm. who's just learned that they're pregnant, um, they're when they're from the mainland, of course, they have the fear of what is going to happen. It's so painful. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing. There's a fear of pain. That's not just f for women from the mainland. You know, of course, <laughs> every woman has that thought, I'm sure. So you've yeah. given birth. I've given birth. We, yeah. Of course, it, it crosses your mind. It, it, it does. It does. And, but I think it's so instilled, you know, in over there because they're talking about, you know, um, all, you know, what you should have, what you should do, what you should take. And everything is, of course drugs <laughs> and you're going to go like, excuse me but what you put in your body it's and they're going no it doesn't yeah. you know scientifically they say it doesn't <laughs> it does <laughs> so it does I mean we're all connected right and the, the baby's been feeding off of us for nine months and forming inside of us it's a part of us and so they they're saying oh because um, of whatever membranes of whatever blah 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 it will not affect the baby Okay. Everything crosses the placenta. Everything. So, and until the baby is born, the baby, the placenta is the grandmother. It is feeding and taking care of the baby. So, whatever mother puts in her body or in her spine or in her IV mm -hmm. will get in her bloodstream and cross the placenta. So, so that is always a question that, you know, of course, it's science versus. You know, um, I call it metaphysics or natural mm -hmm. holistic mm -hmm. thoughts. And um, as far as things like, uh, th there's so much fear that's instilled in us. And I think when I was pregnant, I chose not to. I, I made it a conscious choice not to read the books, mm -hmm. not to read, <laughs> right? I was like, no, yeah. you tell me, and God, because I have to trust this mm -hmm. you know being an older mom i had to trust what it was and that was it uh, because I, I my thought was what do these women do in third world countries absolutely still today around the world around mm -hmm. the world in africa in china every single they're day. working till the day they give birth right they go right. into labor in the fields right you hear of it all the time. It's like, oh, the baby was born in the rice paddy. Yes, it, they were. And what happens after that? You don't go home. You keep working, <laughs> right? Well, in, in most cultures, tribal cultures, 
in my learnings, um, they do respect the woman giving birth, and you're usually given relief from tribal duties for that moon after your baby is born, from whatever moon you've given birth to the next moon around that same time. That is your time to bond with your baby, much like a honeymoon. It's mm -hmm. a baby moon. To bond with your baby, really heal up, connect, make milk, and before you go back onto your um, your regular chores. If a woman is isolated, certainly she has to get up and work, you know, so, but yes. but the the most optimum tribal cultures recommend is is relieve that woman from her duties and, and pamper her and take care of her, mother her. Mm -hmm. You mother the mother after birth. Well, and <clears throat> that is a blessing when they have that. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> so often they don't. Even yeah. in our society, in, in the society, cities, yeah. it's six weeks of maternity leave and back to work at six weeks wearing your... Right the same clothes you wore before you were pregnant. And that's not a reality for, for most women. Most people. Yeah. That's right. That's yeah. right. <clears throat> they wonder why the postpartum. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. No time to heal and nurture oneself. Mm. And, and, you know. and be with your baby, you know. And, and prior to giving birth, how do you know who this is, this baby? What their personality dictates? Are they a sleeper at night? Are they not a sleeper at night? Are they... You know, they're having digestive issues and they really need some comfort those first few months of life, you know, to, mm -hmm. to make definitive plans that I'm going to give birth, go back to work. Um, you know, my child will be with, with somebody else or in daycare and I'll yeah. just pump my milk and put it into a bottle and give it to my baby. I mean, all those things are, are uh, contraindicatory to, to a good... A good wheel. A good, wheel. <laughs> a good yes, yeah. a good cycle. Or at least a good beginning. Yes. You know. Yeah. So the beginning starts even before the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, so these these women who, you know, are curious about a natural home birth or just a natural birth period, what what do you have to offer them? What would you say to sort of help support them in their decision? on whether to have the child in a hospital or to have the child at home? Personally, myself, and from my experience, a healthy mom and a healthy babe without, without major risks, um, and I'm not even going to say high risk because you were an older woman and mm -hmm. you had your baby at home. So, I mean, that in, in the medical world, mm -hmm. that's considered a high risk. But, you know, there are certain people that would best be served by Western medicine mm -hmm. having babies. And... In nature, they would be the acceptable loss if, if just left to their own device. So those women don't have to be a loss today or those babies. They can, they can be served by the medical world. But for the most part, healthy women and healthy babies, in my opinion, are safer at home. Mm -hmm. And just because you've removed the plethora of bacteria and <laughs> germs from the very first. Yeah, so you know, that, that right there is a plus. Um, I would say you're you're meant to do this, and your your body is designed to do this, and with the right support, and usually that support comes from your husband, your partner, and also women. I mm -hmm. I really truly believe not to diminish the man's role in birth, but birth is a woman's event, and to surround yourself with women who can support you in your decision to do this is really important. Whether it's a doula or your mother or an auntie or your sister or an, a midwife mm -hmm. to, to help you obtain that and, and tell you you can do this. You're meant to do this. That means so much. It's way more valuable than any medicine. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> I t- completely agree with you. I think it's it's very beautiful to be able to empower women to do that. And and interestingly enough, it's um, I remember during um, my birth. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, during the birth, I kept saying, "I'm trying to figure out what the feeling was of a surge, or what people would call a contraction." Really trying to immerse myself in that feeling. So I could explain it. Mm-hmm. I remember at some point in time at four o'clock, <laughs> I remember looking up and going, I got it. It was like this light bulb came on. Because it's really not, quote unquote, pain. No. It's like, it's a muscle. Mm-hmm. It's like a cramp. Mm-hmm. And when I got it, it was like, this is nothing like some of the cramps I used to get as a teenager during my menstrual cycle and I got it and I went this is not the pain of what you know when we think of pain we think of sharp stabbing wrenching you know and I really understood then that and during you know the the my healing art body work you know having people actually begin to describe what it truly is that they're feeling or sensing in wherever they're feeling the discomfort, what is the imbalance, so that they begin to articulate it and they learn the degrees of it, whether it be from from 1 to 10. I always say to people, from 1 to 10, what's the level? And interestingly enough, as they go through it, that tolerance goes higher. Absolutely. Because they're aware. They're able to put a linear thought to describe it. Mm And in birth, when uninterfered with with medicines, even bright lights and noise, Mm. things can interfere with the mother's natural ability to get into the rhythm of labor, the muscle contracting, releasing, um, rushes, surges, whatever you want to call it. But it is a contraction of the uterine muscle, putting pressure on the baby who puts pressure on the cervix, and it opens up. And... Um, but your body is matching that level of intensity as it as it goes up um, with endorphins, mm-hmm. and when you interfere with that, then you interfere with that whole the nature's designed system to to compensate for that increasing uncomfortableness mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. with your own body's hormones. And so many so many people don't understand that that. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't need to put anything else into your body. Your body's making that right then. So, right, right. just naturally. Right? Yes, right. And yeah. and being safe and secure in your environment uh, is is a big plus in helping your body relax and mm-hmm. and do the job it's meant to do. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and I I put it to knowing the people around you. Sure. Whereas in a hospital, you might know the doctor. You definitely don't know the nurses. The, the doctor may only be there for the last ten minutes. You know that's you, right. You know, that's right. So. And those these nurses who you don't know, they're usually very lovely in they their are. own way. They do and, a you know great job, and they're under under enormous pressures to to fulfill many hats. You know, in the hospital, the paperwork, and this they're not just there to to serve a woman. They have so many other things that they need to attend to to keep their job to feed their families. But when you show up as a laboring woman, you don't know who you're going to get. You don't know if your nurse that's assigned to you to that day has had a bad fight with her husband and, right. and or you know has seen this before or is irritated by something her teenage son did. You know, you 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 you're getting what you walk into and 
and it may not just be something designed for you, tailored for your needs that day. So mm -hmm. it's it's our. I always tell women. I gave birth at home three times, and the third time when we lived in Costa Rica, I I didn't even have a midwife. I wanted one, but there was there were none around. But I was the midwife. <laughs> <laughs> I was the midwife, but you know I I but. I always tell women that go to the hospital, you are much braver than I I was or I ever could be because to go to the hospital requires a great deal of bravery. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's not an interesting, it's like flipping the coin mm -hmm. to the other side, mm -hmm. right? Um, so when, when a woman is, uh, you know, they have these prenatal courses all the time, uh, do you suggest women do those? Like, sure. I mean, there's so many. There's, there's so, so many. There's, so there's many thousands of books. Bradley. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I think it's a great, especially for first-time parents, it's a great social and a learning experience. Mm -hmm. They get to meet other pregnant people. They have likes, you know, from body changes to hemorrhoids to food to, you know, all of these things. They can, they can communicate with someone who's going through the same thing. And... Um, the classes themselves are, are, are a good education. I used to teach childbirth education when I was a young midwife to make some money to, mm -hmm. to support myself. And I found most of the time with the first contraction, that all goes out the door. All that learning <laughs> goes out the door. And you're right back to a, a natural experience that is happening. Right. So, I mean, it can be very valuable, but you, you can't really rely on that. Mm -hmm. You have to rely on your ability to just relax and, and let things Come, you right. know, so that that I, I agree. I mean, I hear so many people, you know, they have it all planned. So this is the way I am going to do it. Yeah. I'm going, okay, yeah. <laughs> just, just be open that it might change. There is <laughs> no script for birth, and you cannot script it. You, you have to, every single birth is, you don't know what you're going to be given, but you know that you'll, you'll deal with what you're given in the most honorable and, and, fashion and with integrity and, and wisdom and knowledge and, mm -hmm. and go from there. So, I, I believe it's the one of the most glorious adventures that uh, people could absolutely. go through. It is an adventure. It's I an call adventure. it an adventure. And birth is such a small part of it, but parenting is huge. Oh, parenting yes. and raising the children, that's that's huge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know it. Yes. <laughs> now that you're on to the grandchildren. Yes. Now. Yeah. And I, um, so... Part um, part of all this is and and birthing and going to see doctors and and how do you feel about ultrasounds? Because a lot of people do so many oh, ultrasounds so many these days. Things. Ultrasound as a technology is not without risk. It it sonar in the ocean here in Hawaii we have great debates about mm. the Navy using sonar and it affects echolocation in whales and dolphins. Mm -hmm. It affects the fetus. Um, it is a great diagnostic tool. If something needs to be looked at in pregnancy or something is concerning, then yes, let's let's get an ultrasound and see see where we're at. So we have a little more knowledge. We have another tool in our, our tool belt to use. But routine use of ultrasound just to view the baby yeah. has <clears throat> its risk. It, it has its risk to the developing fetal brain. Um, it, it is not risk-free. So mm -hmm. it should be used very, very cautiously. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So. It's interesting because uh, it's very often when people get a kick out of seeing the little baby before it's born and the videos mm -hmm. and because it's and really knowing what now. sex they're having, yeah. So right, right. So, so you would say 
Less is more. Less is more, of course. Mm-hmm. But, but that's my personal preference. And certainly what whatever I want should not be anybody else's. You know, yes. should not dictate what anybody else wants. Yeah. But, but it should be used cautiously, the, mm-hmm. the ultrasound. So. Um, and uh, what about uh, other other instances where uh, the mother, you know, what is really women are very prone to uh, that it, we learned was uh, prenatal diabetes. Mm-hmm. Um, do you see that a lot here on the island? I, in general, the in the in, in my practice, no, <laughs> because oh. already I'm dealing with with women who have made a conscious choice to to be more natural, to live not make decisions and live um, from a place of fear. Mm-hmm. So they're eating better. <laughs> Already. Already. Just because of that. I mean, if they're, you know, and that, that's part of it. Someone who is eating a lot of packaged fast food, um, smoking cigarettes, drinking alcohol, all of that, you know, all of these things and or none of these things is not really going to be the, the kind of person who really just wants to give birth at home mm-hmm. naturally. <laughs> <laughs> So, April, um, here you are, midwife for so many years, beautiful daughters and husband that have assisted you on and off, and now your girls are pregnant. Mm-hmm. How did that feel? Awesome. That was, that was the culmination of my midwifery life, I feel, to, to be able to serve my daughters. And my oldest daughter gave birth here at my house, and the plan was for my second daughter, who was having her baby eight months later, um, to give birth here. And things didn't go according to plan. After a few days of labor, um, she and I, and I had a, few, a couple other midwives. It wasn't just me, uh, mm. which I think may have come into the decision process if it had just been me and my daughter. But there was two other midwives here, very very experienced, very trusted midwives. And we, we all tried everything we could to, to help her and open up. And um, after a few days, she said, you know what, I want, I'm getting tired, and I think I want to go to the hospital and get some pain relief. So off we went. Um, it was It was an emotional experience. That ended in a C-section for her birth, but but that's what was needed to, to get Canyon here safely. It may have may have been different had we stuck it out longer or whatever, but that that was not the the way her birth went. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm very grateful the hospital was here and they were very welcoming in our transport and uh, very eager to help us assist us to to have the natural birth she wanted, but it just didn't work out like that. So. So here I am right now with Bryn, uh, April Bailey's daughter, and her experience of having a child four and a half months ago. Is that right, Bryn? Yeah, four and a half months. Uh, my son was born January 12th of this year. A new year baby. Yeah. <laughs> I was 15 days late. His due date was December 28th. So oh, wow. I was, I was ready, <laughs> to say the least. So Bryn, your experience um, of being around your mom mm-hmm. throughout, really, your entire life. You've watched her deliver babies after babies. Yeah, it was, it's actually pretty neat because it wasn't, I feel like I was very lucky as a new mom. I wasn't so petrified of the whole experience and I wasn't so nervous or what I can and cannot eat during pregnancy or this or going to, I mean, I didn't see one doctor my entire pregnancy. Um, I went to the pregnancy center and received a free ultrasound just to make sure everything was okay. And I did find mm-hmm. out the sex of the baby because I, I can't handle surprises. <laughs> you know. But um, 
I just feel like I was very lucky. You know, I didn't really change my diet too much. I didn't stress out, and I had a really nice, relaxed pregnancy. And I wasn't. I mean, I knew I knew it was gonna hurt, and I wasn't totally prepared for that. But I think I've seen about six or seven home births. Some, a few downstairs. I saw my own brother born in Costa Rica, and mm. my, the birth of my of my little nephew, my sister's birth, was um, the follow the previous May. So I was there for that as well, and. It's a beautiful thing. I was excited for it. I was really looking forward to it. Well, I think as a young woman, it was so natural to you, right? Yeah, Going there wasn't the any other. For me, it, was, I, it wasn't ever any other option of like, oh, you know, what doctor am I going to see or where am I going to have my baby? It's like, oh, I'm just going to have my baby at home. <laughs> Why right. wouldn't I? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. After seeing this yeah. over and over again. Yeah, there's no, I'm not sick. There's no reason for me to go to the hospital. Now, um, as you were growing up, and your friends around you, mm -hmm. did they find it strange that you'd already seen a birth and been involved yeah, in a birth? Kind of, I mean, they were kind of like, you know, I think when I was younger, they'd be, they were more just, oh, that's weird, or it's gross, or oh, like, you know, it's kind of freaked out by the situation where I was just like, why? <laughs> why is it weird? That's how we're born, you know? Um but, and they kind of, oh, you know, oh, your family's hippie or your family's, you know, witchcraft-ish, <laughs> whatever. I mean, we've heard it all, but I just have always been super, and I did my whole senior thesis actually in college on the difference between home birth and hospital births and in, in Hawaii and, you know, the, the pros and cons of both. Mm, you did. Yeah, Ooh. so that was actually it was perfect because there's something I've always been really passionate about, not something that I would ever want to get into myself, just okay. because uh, it's just not something that I could see myself doing, but I highly believe in it, and I think it's an amazing thing. And so it was great to come home during my senior year of college and be able to interview my mom and some of her, you know, some of her mamas sure. and their experiences and having a C-section before and then being, you know, having a natural birth afterwards. Right, right. No, that's, that's magnificent. So really you grew up in the environment, you have uh, followed your mom all the way through, even to college and you're writing a thesis on childbirth. Um, now comes your own pregnancy. That mm -hmm. was a little bit of a surprise. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, when it came down to um, labor, I was, well, I was 12 days past my due date when I started labor and, you know, mild contractions and they got heavier and heavier and my water hadn't broken and it was about two in the morning, I think on the 13th, 11th or the 12th of January. No, no, I'm sorry. The 10th of January that I finally came upstairs and got my mom and said, okay, it's happening. It's happening. You know, I couldn't sleep and. You know, I'd been up from from the previous day, so I was already tired. I'm like, oh, baby's going to come today. Baby's going to come today. So excited. So we come downstairs, and she's braiding my hair. I had this vision that I wanted my hair to be in French braids. And so she's braiding my hair, and uh, my sister's there, and my nephew's there. And, you know, we're waiting. Construction's getting stronger, and we're filling up the tub. And morning comes, and nothing's happening. And, you know, they're checking me, and I'm not really dilating that far yet, maybe mm. four centimeters. And finally, my water breaked around uh, noon that day and still nothing it's coming my in-laws are here and everybody's waiting and waiting then the night came and went and by that point wow. I was getting extremely tired and hey you caused a big camp out here <laughs> everybody's sleeping but me and um yeah and I, I just started getting really really tired and I wasn't dilating past six I would go until about six centimeters and then that was it mm. and so the following day, Wednesday, the 11th, around about 11 
a.m. I just I just couldn't handle it anymore. And from at that point, my water had been broken for about twenty four hours, mm. and I was just so tired. I just and I wasn't. I think the hardest thing is that I was working so hard, and I just wasn't seeing any progress. Mm-hmm. I was just staying at six centimeters for so long, and I was just it was so discouraging. And it was the hardest thing for me to say, okay, I'm ready. I have to go to the hospital. Like, mm. I, I can't do it anymore. You know, I think that was, I don't want to cry. I think that was the hardest thing. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's okay. Well, you've been brought up with home birth all your life, and that was what you wanted. And, and you know, the important thing right here, and what I was saying with your mom, is that we don't, we cannot plan. If a child doesn't choose, is like, I would have loved a water birth. We went from the ocean to the birthing tub. And right. then it's like, well, his sack is like, though my water broke. Yeah. No one told me about the second one. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it was like, what are you talking about? I thought that was supposed to burst at the same time. Oh, no. Yeah. And that didn't want to burst. And it was like. No, it was hard. And then we went to the hospital and, you know, still with the intention of being able to have a a vaginal birth just with a little bit of help of, sure. of some Pitocin and drugs. And even after three rounds of Pitocin, I wasn't wow. making any progress. And 12 hours in the hospital, I started getting a fever and the baby's heart rate started, you know, yeah. dropping. And at that point they're like, okay, we got to get this baby out. And then that was even another rush of emotions being like, oh, wow, I'm going to have to have surgery to get this baby out. You know, <laughs> yeah. there was a little bit of me that was like, oh, kind of felt like a failure. Like I couldn't do it, you know, but. but it it, the the interesting uh, part about it which we really want women to know is that we have such wonderful plans that we would like right and in the end ultimately it isn't fully our choice no it's not and you know i always say he's more stubborn than i am because it took 50 hours and everything under the sun to try and get him out (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and he's i mean the main thing is we're both healthy and happy and that's right next his little brother or sister next one we're definitely gonna have at home you know yeah. <laughs> and again you know who knows, yeah, who, right? knows? who knows what's but gonna happen and i will definitely try again to have him or her at home absolutely absolutely and and it, it's it's such a um an unfolding of experiences and unfolding of whatever it is we're supposed to learn. And of course, that's what they say in metaphysics is what what are we supposed to learn? What is this um, a representation of, you know, about our life or about ourselves or anything like that? And I mean, your child is so beautiful (laughs) and so healthy. I mean, I definitely think that he was trying to teach me patience just by being too I'm not the most patient person ever. And I already there was like, well, okay, he's trying to teach me a lesson here. And I took that as it is. And I definitely learn a lot. Just, you know, you can't, you can't be just, this is what's going to happen. This is how it's going to be. You just have to, you know, that's right. Accept how it, what, what comes Because you weren't, I mean, ultimately as a mother, you weren't going to jeopardize your life and your baby's life. So, you know, then it's sort of And nobody is, you know, but that's why I think the misconception of a lot of people is that if you are having a home birth and there's, you know, oh, well, what if something happens? Well, go to the hospital. Yeah, (laughs) you went to the hospital and it was fine. Right. You know, and it's just because you want to have a home birth doesn't mean you don't necessarily not believe in, you know, Western medicine. It's there for a purpose. It's there for a reason. Sure. When it's necessary for me, you know, like for that 
read, you know, that instance. But for me, it's not something that I like to do. Right. You know, all the time. <laughs> well, you know, um, um, you know, th- uh, first of all, thank you so much for yeah. sharing your story. And I, I know it's Sorry, you, I got a little no, I mean, but it's the true emotion that's coming forward. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't. Most of us wouldn't understand that yeah. at your level because you were. From a very young age in Costa Rica, you already saw babies being born. Yeah. You already assisted and helped yeah. in critical conditions. And then it's your turn, and it's like, yeah. wait a minute, time out. What's never going in on? my wildest dreams would think that I'd be staying, you know, four and a half months later and still have a, you know, a scar from a cesarean section. It's still, you know, it trips me out every time I get out of the shower. Like, I can't believe I had to get surgery. <laughs> right, right. I mean, it's it's so emotionally, it's, yeah. it's tied in. And I always say, you know, if it came down to it again, I would I would much rather do the 40, 50 hours of labor mm-hmm. naturally than ever have to go through a cesarean. Yeah. That is by far the worst thing. It, It's almost like there, there's always, I say, the pros and cons. There's always the give and take and the balance yeah. that one creates. And, I, I mean, if no doubt, if you didn't have the fever and baby heart rate didn't fall no doubt you would have continued oh absolutely right? <laughs> yeah, i mean i would have that was my goal is okay i couldn't do it naturally at home but i still wanted to have a vaginal birth right you know and i needed a little bit of help but then after that option was gone i was like well there's only one left and they couldn't they didn't give you an option of a, an episiotomy or anything like that was Mm-mm, it too far just, beyond yeah he just wasn't he, i just wasn't dilating at I, all. I was staying at six and then when they finally got him out, they was like, oh, his cord was on his shoulder, kind of strapped on him like a seatbelt, so that every time I was having a contraction, he was just, he wasn't getting down there. Oh. He was just stuck, so he wasn't dilating me anymore. Right, It was right, like, right, he right. was just being held back. Yeah. I see. So, I mean, who knows? Who knows if I would have stayed at home, if he would have wiggled himself out of that, and it would have been okay, but... You know, no, no. It just, we're all healthy and happy now. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it isn't it funny. No matter what happens, they come out there so beautiful. Yeah. And you so forget precious. all the pain. And <laughs> it's, everything is like this. I mean, a, a few emotional ties here and there, but it really, when you look at them, it's yeah. it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. They all like melt away. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty like, brilliant. Oh, even now, no sleep. And I'm like, but he wakes up and he's so happy. I'm like, yeah. Damn you! <laughs> you tricked me again. <laughs> right. Right. And trying to explain that to people is, is is really you cannot explain that. Yeah. You try and you try and we've I'm sure you've heard it all your life and you've been around mm-hmm. it and now you're the mom and it's, uh, it's a whole new experience. It's, it's awesome though. Experience. It is. I do it all over again. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it funny? It's uh, with the fifty hours. With Here's the whole saying, fifty, with 50 hours, hours with a cesarean, I would do it all over again. Good for you. Well, Bryn, thank you yeah, so no much for thank sharing you. your story. And we can't wait to see Little Canyon grow up uh, and the next one yeah, come along. Yeah, the next one. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. So in a situation like that, <clears throat> this is where the holistic, I mean, truly, it becomes very holistic then. It's, it's mm-hmm. sort of like the natural with the scientific. I mean, that is a whole, and a whole, whole transition. Yes. And, um, I mean, <clears throat> for you, being the mom, uh, I mean, have you run into the situation before where your moms end up at the hospital? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you, you try your best and sometimes for unforeseen circumstances or length of time involved, safety of mom and baby, you, you need to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it, it was, um, 
for my, it was an eye-opening experience to to be not only the midwife but but mother at that. And yes. and I think you and I talked about that earlier that that it was a great gift and learning for me because I've I've transported with other women and. Um, it wasn't as emotionally charged and I was fine up until a few days after Bryn's birth when things had settled there and everybody's fine that I uh, I really realized that my daughter having a c-section hadn't even entered into my realm of thought as a midwife you're prepared for everything death included but I wasn't prepared for c-section so that was a gift for her to, to give mm. me that you know it's like yes even a midwife's daughter can have a c-section <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not proud to admit it, but I'm I'm grateful that we had that option. And, oh, absolutely. And For... we availed ourselves of that. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Well, it's uh, it's amazing how the the ebb and flows <laughs> come in, isn't it? Like... The universe is an amazing place. It's like, like what an amazing teacher. <laughs> amazing teacher, yes. <laughs> so that's that's wonderful to hear about. You know the 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 choice of going to the hospital, but. It is really about a choice. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's all the way back to what you're saying. Like, we cannot plan anything from the moment. I mean, I have people who have scripted out everything they'd like to do. (laughs) What is the other option? Mm. Well, there isn't. Well, (laughs) you might want to think of the other option. When when parents come to me and say, this is how birth is going to go. We're going to do this and this and this and this in my head. I'm going, oh, boy, is this little soul going to kick you guys in the pants? (laughs) (laughs) It definitely won't go like that. There's another person involved in birth, and you have to honor that. That spirit has choices and life's work to embark on and you have to honor that and see how it goes <laughs> as you know with, yeah, with oh your yeah. birth yes. oh yes moving from one to the next to the next yes and yes yes absolutely i want to give birth under the full moon outside in a in a tub well you know maybe baby wants to be born in bed <laughs> yeah yeah and, and a nice warm bed there <laughs> yeah. you go so. there you go and and it's it's amazing. It really is. I mean, childbirth is a miracle, and it is an adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, and in preparation, April, I mean, I was a little crazy. I came out here the week I was due. That's right. <laughs> okay. That's a little crazy. We had a lot of catch-up to do, yes. Yes, and a lot of catch-up. I mean, uh, luckily, I had a wonderful OB in California, in Southern California, who had done a lot of home births before they started to clamp down on OBs, the insurance, etc. As you know, usually on the mainland, a lot of people get sued. And that fear for the doctors, even though they believe in it, they have to remove themselves from it, which is really sad. Decisions become liability-based. Exactly. Exactly. So he had to stop the home birthing. Uh, So he had an understanding um like you did i have to admit he wasn't he wasn't as favorable about being in the ocean <laughs> because of bacteria and yeah etc and uh, understandably so but he was so all right with me seeing him with me not doing tests because i just say and what is that supposed to prove to me and what is that supposed to show me and if the numbers come out like this what does that mean and so he was very open to allowing us to make our decisions and very much so like to take care of me until I was able to, to be here to be with you. Mm. I was great. 
you know, didn't push any drugs, nothing. You know, if it was a simple test like urinating in a cup or a simple blood test, go for it. Yeah. Other than that, you're, no. You're not going there. We're not going there. <laughs> but, but nobody allowed you to do anything. You know, you, you empowered yourself to make that decision. It's the and, decisions. And risk versus benefit. And you made personal decisions based on information. You made in, informed consent. And that's what yes. every woman should claim that right. And that right mm -hmm. is there for them to claim Yes. To make those decisions themselves. Nobody makes choices for you. Nobody tells you what to do. Mm -hmm. You must make those choices yourself. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, mm -hmm. you give up your power. What was very interesting is in the interview with Bryn, she said that she had not gone to see any doctor. Mm -mm. It doesn't Everything mean she was, didn't have prenatal care. She had excellent prenatal care. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> <Of course. laughs> And, and being around it all her life, too. Yes. And so it's, it's not like it's a necessity. Mm -hmm. But it's, as she said, she had one ultrasound to make sure everything was okay and mm -hmm. to know what she was having. She wanted to know, yes. <laughs> I know, that's <laughs> And with uh, your older daughter, was she in the same position? She did. She didn't see any, besides myself, she mm -hmm. didn't avail herself of any um, care. I think Margot did have one ultrasound just to, to see... Um, Babies, uh, where the placenta was, just just mm -hmm. a simple. But Margot didn't know sex, so yeah. But that's the difference in my daughter. Sure, absolutely. yeah, <laughs> they're, they're absolutely. different different women and different personalities. And Bryn could never wait at Christmas for her wrapped presents under the tree. She had to open them. We always we knew when she was pregnant, she wouldn't she wouldn't not just wait till the baby's birth to yeah. find out what she was getting. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> that's great. That's great. I thought that would have been very interesting if she didn't get what they said. <laughs> Which, you know, Which happens. happens all the time. Right, right. Um, so if if people, because you're situated here in beautiful Kona on the big island here, um, if people are wanting to come here to have a natural birth, which you hear it all the time, people come here and inquire about dolphin birthing. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> and can you speak a little on that? Um. Well, I think financially is, is a big concern for people to come here, uproot themselves, and financially and emotionally, it's it's a big thing to do in pregnancy. But if that's where your heart and your your the spirit of the baby is leading you to birth, then, then follow that if you can. If mm -hmm. not, you've got to be comfortable with your choice of birth, whether that's in the home or a hospital or a birth center or mm -hmm. out in the woods doing it by yourself. That's, you know, you're, it's your choice, and you've got to be comfortable. It, it is a big financial undertaking to come you know pick up rent a place rent a car you guys know to to come to to come to birth you know somewhere far away from home so mm -hmm. but what a beautiful atmosphere I mean, like... I mean you can ask for more to spend the the last days of your pregnancy in a bathing suit swimming with dolphins and right and uh, being sea outside turtles and, and turtles yeah. and flowers and all of nature, you know, it's, it's a great experience. So, um, so these people who call you up about dolphin birthing, <laughs> so to say, um, what is, I mean, what is your response? Because what, what is, what is the facts here about that? I don't know exactly where this got started, but every year I get calls of, from people who say, I want to come to Hawaii and birth with the dolphins. And, 
as a joke, uh, my standard response of late has been, you know, I don't know any dolphin midwives. I'm sorry. <laughs> and for a mother to really free swim in the ocean where the wild dolphins are, you, you know, to swim, give birth and catch her baby is, is a feat I've never seen. So <laughs> show me that. That would be awesome to see that. But, but really most women we're we're mammals, we're land mammals. And we, our feet on the ground is, is the best place to give birth, in my opinion, whether it's on a tub on the ground or in a tide pool or however you want to do it. But, but free swimming just doesn't happen. We need happen. that foundation. <laughs> <laughs> need that foundation. <laughs> so I always tell women, if, if that's really your goal, you know, then it's kind of hard to make it happen here. And our water temperature here is a little cooler, as you, yes. you found out. It's it's not like Central America or anywhere near the equator where the water is warmer. Right. And so mothers will get cold. And if you get cold, you tense a little bit. And you, you have to be relaxed in labor. So I give them all these parameters. And if they want to come have a baby in Hawaii and enjoy swimming with the dolphins, enjoy the ocean um, prior to giving birth, that, that should be their goal. Mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm. and um, most, most women want to get in bed after they have their baby and be served hot soup and tea and, 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 and you know, be mothered. And it's a little hard to do when you're chugging on a boat or swimming in the ocean, you know, after you give birth. So. Right, right. Yeah, so. So, well, I think the difference is here, the dolphins are further away they from are, land. They are. They're not captive so, in lagoons. Or, right. Um, you know, so it, I, I think YouTube or the Internet is shown some some women giving birth in a tank or maybe right. with a, with a captive dolphin let's let's face it who's been curious and been close by but but uh and I, th- I think it was, uh, um, if I can recall, because when I was doing research, it was uh, the dolphins in the Black Sea or something, wasn't it? Yes, but in, and I'm very familiar with it, but the women gave birth on shore in tide pools supported, supported by their friends and, and family, and the dolphins were jumping in the distance. <laughs> so That's the difference. That's the difference, yes. And so. they do jump. I they mean, do I, jump. And they do jump here, too. I mean. <laughs> I've done births here on a lanai or a porch and with a tub on the lanai and whales and dolphins jumping in the ocean and flowers and someone drumming and you know i mean it can be as fabulous as you want it to be but, but if, if you as the mother not- who's giving birth really take a lot of notice yes. <laughs> during the moment that's another thing is absolutely it? so yeah. yeah okay so <laughs> yeah. for those of you who are thinking of a dolphin birth in hawaii it's we're just gonna lay it out there <laughs> but it's beautiful as you say to swim with them before and while you're yes. pregnant and you know i remember walking along the you know the the um the lava rock and all the tide pools which are gorgeous mm-hmm. to soak in because it's like a really like a natural um spa. like a natural spa yeah. right right sitting there days before you're about to give birth yeah. it's, it's really lovely and i've done in well certainly when we lived in costa rica i did ocean births but again they were either um in a tide pool a clean tide pool where you could the water clarity was was able to be judged mm. safe and and uh and or a couple times we did births on a floating pontoon boat with with seats and netting um that was attached but the water there was was you know 80 some degrees it was a it was a backwater yeah not not as 
chilly as it is here. So Right. And here I've done a tide pool birth, but it took a lot of preparation, a lot of dedication on mom and papa's um, part to make that happen. Mm -hmm. and, that, and it wasn't about giving birth with dolphins. It was about giving birth in nature. Right. And that was their goal. So. Wow, very lovely. So, so that works easily. Yeah. Well, but it, everything it, takes preparation. It takes preparation. And then yeah. who knows what's going to happen? Exactly. Like in our case, yeah. it was, mm -hmm. you know, oh no. Yeah, well, <laughs> baby doesn't want to come it, out you're here cold. at it's midnight. A, it's midnight, and we still have hours to go. Let's go. That's right. Home and get warm. Yeah. That's right. And even after you get warm, we <laughs> know. Then you know they script out their own entrance. Absolutely. So. So that's that. So that's good. That's good to be very clear for people about dolphin birthing here in Hawaii. Um, so, if they if they truly would like to come out, would you say that they should come out a month before the baby's due? Uh, that's. I don't. Know. I mean, I was crazy. I came out the week off. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's it's always better to get to know your caregiver and become intimate and be at because you never know when baby's going to come. Yeah. You know. Um, here on the big island of Hawaii, we're an outlying island. We're a neighbor island. And we don't have big hospitals with NICU, you know, NICUs in them. Mm -hmm. And um, so if there's any kind of trouble for a baby or a baby comes too early, they send baby to Oahu. And sometimes without parents, depending on what's going on with mom right. and or papa and, and the room in the plane. So you have to... To be aware of that, those kind of things, you 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 know, it's not, it won't be paradise, no matter where you are. There's always obstacles to overcome, right. and um, the goal should be to have a healthy, happy baby and and a safe birth. Mm -hmm. And so, if you if you want to come to Hawaii to have your baby, get to know your caregiver early, and make plans appropriately with your caregiver, no matter where you're going to give birth in the hospital or at home. So. Right, right, and so. Um, with that sort of preparation, now as a mom about to give birth, are there certain things away from watching what you eat, watching what you consume? Mm -hmm. Are there anything uh, else, like are there any uh, teas or sure. herbal soups or anything like that that you would recommend that would Absolutely. help? Um, I give all my mamas... Uh, some tea in pregnancy and certainly you can buy it at the health food store a pregnancy tea made with red raspberry leaf nettles dandelions mm -hmm. and peppermint whatever whatever um you know needs and requirements in your pregnancy that you've got going those they should they can definitely be met early mm -hmm. and through nutrition um most women don't require medicines in pregnancy mm -hmm. some do but most women not so right and and um Culturally, it's what it was in your culture is important. After you had the baby, you had, and remember oh, what it was, yes. but it was, um, it oh. was a postpartum dish yes, from China. Yes, it was uh, uh, ham hocks uh -huh. with ginger and egg and boiled in black vinegar. That's right. That's right. Yes, Days. you had. Yes, oh, and for months. For, for months. We yes. actually <laughs> brought it from Southern California. <laughs> yes, and it, it helps to nurture Right. The body back and replenish. and replenish, and then we also made another concoction that was a uh, Korean based, okay. which is pork and seaweed, mm -hmm. because uh, Asian women have a tendency, 
after birth to have goita, mm -hmm. you know. So um, that was another thing, the seaweed and the iodine and the seaweed. And then um, Margaret, lovely, made uh, mm -hmm. the Filipino dish, the which Filipino was papaya dish. and chicken and ginger. Right. Ginger is a big... Ginger is very warming. So. Very big. Yeah. yeah. So. And, and it also helps to relieve the air and the gas in mm -hmm. the stomach mm -hmm. and the, in the milk. Mm -hmm. So, oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. We have, uh, I have another friend who is now starting to actually brew and create those concoctions for moms. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so every mm -hmm. culture has different things. It's so much fun to, to explore what women do in other cultures. Oh, and, absolutely. Know, during pregnancy and after pregnancy. It's, it's, and all of them have a, have a base that, that has some nutritional or supportive value to it. And, right. You know, so. Right. That's always fun. That is. That is. Um, so uh, so you would say maybe if someone comes out a month ahead of time, that would be a good time? Yeah. If everything's gone well, the pregnancy, and and you've established a contact with with a person or uh, some people, you know, to to come to. Don't come blind and, you know, try to pick it up yeah. at that point. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah. but you can do it. You can do it. You, know, you can do women it. Women give birth anywhere, everywhere and anywhere, you know. Really dire circumstances. It's Women are giving birth right now in the middle of, of war and, yeah. and stuff. So we're strong. We can do this. Yeah. So, April, um, if you were to gift the audience with one one piece of information or well, not one piece but uh, a thought or something that they could do um, to help them consider home birth or consider you know um, natural birthing what would that be I would say never let anybody make a decision for you um, without you having researched and, and gotten all the information you need to, to make your own decisions. Don't, don't let decisions be made for you. Really go deep into your heart and decide what's best for you and your baby um, before you, you let someone else call the shots. It's it's very important. It's empowering. It's it's a good first example for your child. Also, we want to raise independent, healthy adults, and you know, for for a mom to make decisions, informed decisions about her birth and her pregnancy and her child rearing is the best way to start that mm -hmm. road to independent mm -hmm. adults. Mm -hmm. I, I <clears throat> to add on to that, I do believe right now there's so much information out there. Mm -hmm. So much. So much. And so when <laughs> we say it is, mm -hmm. because a lot of it contradicts oh, yes. um, a lot of thought processes are op opposite and uh, they don't they don't align. Mm -hmm. And um, again, is back to fear based, a very fear based society here. When mm -hmm. I say here, I say North America, right. really, because other countries, especially third world countries, you can't think twice about it. Right. <laughs> you can't access the books in the literature and here we are we're able to access so much online that's what we're finding that is a bit of an issue and it's, it's wonderful it's it wonderful is, it's a great tool but where where do you draw that line because i have found so many young mothers or mothers you know who are still being very confused now 
with what they're seeing online and the direction that, you know, what schools that the children should go to, et cetera, you know, what kind of daycares, blah, 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 blah. That when it comes to the first childbirth, it's very confusing. It is. The internet is not always our friend. And so I always tell moms, you know, so you can get on the internet and find scary things about everything. Right. And for every, you know, affirming viewpoint, there's an opposing viewpoint. And for every home birth midwife with great outcomes, there's an OB who's home blasting home births. So mm-hmm. you have to make your own decision. You have to, to know what's in your heart and what's best for you and your child. And you can only do that by researching both sides of the, of the coin um, from, from things like pregnancy and childbirth to vaccinations, um, childcare, all of these things, they, they need a lot of good thought, but, but you have to trust that first instinct too, Mm -hmm. that first Mm -hmm. instinct that says, this is right for me, or this, this is not right for me. And Mm -hmm. that's, it's the inner voice. Yes. Yes. And even when you do, anything can, can sidetrack in any time. It's like, did I make the, I mean, isn't that right? Did I make the right decision? Was this the right decision? Would this have happened if I, you know, it's always the way in life, isn't it? The what ifs will get you. Shel Silverstein wrote a great poem about the what ifs, you know, (laughs) and, and you, you can always make another decision. You can always change, change your mind, change your decision, Mm but, but try not to live in the fear base and the what ifs. They, they, they don't, they don't have any place, you know, in, in, in life. Mm-hmm. Thank you, April. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so here we have again April Bailey, a wonderful midwife here in Kona <clears throat> on the big island of Hawaii. And we want to thank all of you for joining us today as uh, they graciously honored us, um, April and her daughter, Bryn, with their moments and their experiences that uh, we shared with you today. And again, we are here at yogahub.tv, Y-O-G-A-H-U-B dot TV. See you the next time.